Welcome to the United Church Podcast. We're a new church here in Seattle committed to an ethic of love and walking in the ways of Jesus. We're striving to be a people united, united with Jesus, each other, ourselves, and the world around us. We hope you're encouraged and challenged by this week's homily. May the peace of Christ be with you. It's okay to not be okay. This season has been difficult for all of us, hasn't it? We're all carrying around a newfound sense of tension in our body, in our heart, in our mind. Can you locate it? Where are you feeling it right now? Where are you holding it right now? That that tension. I've been carrying mine around in my chest. It comes and goes, and sometimes it feels like a 10-ton brick, and other times it's seemingly non-existent. It just comes and goes. It's a strange companion, this tension. Where do you carry yours? What does it feel like? Take, take your hand and, and place it on that spot where you carry that tension and close your eyes with me and breathe and just acknowledge it. Acknowledge that it's there. Acknowledge that you have a new passenger with you on this journey for this season. And it's okay. It's okay to not be okay right now. I think in many ways, this feeling that we're carrying with us is the feeling of grief. We're, we're all grieving something at this moment, aren't we? A loss of our feeling of safety and security. A loss of a job or financial security. A loss of normalcy and regularity. A loss of in-person social interaction or freedom. A loss of co-workers, in-person conversations, social life. The loss of our sanity. And for those of you who are single and don't have any roommates, this can be a especially difficult space and loss, no matter how introverted you may be. It's a lot. And it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to feel deeply all of the chaos and suffering and pain we're all experiencing right now. Acknowledge your new passenger. Acknowledge your pain. And name what you're feeling in this moment of loss. I'm entering day three of my quarantine after arriving home on Thursday night. 72 hours of isolation as Tracy and Elliot are still back east with her mom. And while I've talked on the phone more than I've ever talked in a 72-hour period and done FaceTime and Zoom and email and Facebook and, 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 there's just something different about this kind of isolation that can seriously mess with your head and your heart. In your soul. I, I don't I don't feel absent, but 
It's certainly easy to feel invisible. I, I feel like I haven't been seen by anyone. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I feel loved, for sure. The fact that so many of you logged on and watched the live stream of my father-in-law's funeral, that, that you sent notes of love and encouragement, texts and gifts and messages, that was remarkable. And Tracy, Elliot, and I certainly felt the love in the midst of that pain. But there's just something different about being seen, actually seen, isn't there? I know you've got to be feeling it too, right? We were made as a people to connect with one another, and not digitally like this. We were made for face-to-face -face connections, for interactions beyond the screen, and perhaps this is the first time we are truly realizing this in, in the digital revolution, that when we finally step outside into the light of day once again and get to see one another face-to-face, -face, we'll remember this season and honor the person we're with, grateful for their presence, for their conversation, for their touch, to truly be seen. But here, right now, in this season and in this space, it's, it's hard to feel seen. And I think it's pretty easy to find ourselves getting angry and frustrated and tense at God. It, it's easy to find ourselves wandering through that question once again, that, that question that we've been walking through as a church during this season of Lent, that, that question that nags at the back of our mind, that, that eats away at our heart and grinds at the fabric of our soul. In the midst of all of this chaos, does God really like me? Because right now, right, right now, it's easy to feel tossed aside and left alone. We're not the first people in the course of history to wonder this or even feel this way. The Hebrew people experienced this all the way back in the book of Exodus. While they were in chains, bound in the throes of slavery, experiencing the pain of oppression. They, they cried out, where is God? Where are you? Why? Have you forgotten your people and all of the promises that you've made? This refrain continued and continued throughout the First Testament. A cry and a question has God forgotten us? And this question has never really ended, has it? It continues to show up in our lives, in our own stories, as we continue to wrestle with our own faith and belief and wonder. As we try to process through and try to understand and know, who is this God? And is he good? I think that's why I love Jesus so much. 
he helps put to ease those questions for me. This visible image of the invisible God, as Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1. And it's the story of the Samaritan woman at the well that, that really drives a lot of this home for me. You see, the, the Samaritan people were a forgotten people. They were outcasts of Jewish society, considered half-breeds because of their ancestral lineage. A forgotten people, cast aside into a forgotten place. They lived in an area called Samaria, a place that was traveled around, located between the northern and southern parts of Israel. You see, even though it would have been faster to travel through Samaria, it was the place you just didn't go. And so travelers walked around this territory. A forgotten people in a forgotten place. Ignored. Unseen. And here's Jesus in John chapter 4, traveling on purpose from the south to the north through Samaria. In fact, John tells us that Jesus had to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. An interesting phrase. And as he goes during the heat of the day, he finds himself at a well to rest while his disciples go into town to buy food. And as Jesus sits here at this well, a woman from town comes upon the well to draw some water for her household, which is a strange time to draw water. It's It's not something you do. Come out in the heat of the day to draw your daily water in your heavy, giant jugs to then walk them all the way back into town. That's a lot of work and not really the smartest time of day to do such labor-intensive work and, and to do it alone. Which should tell you something. This woman has been isolated. Socially distanced, if you will. Alone. To draw her daily water by herself in the heat of the day. If the Samaritans are the outcasts, then she is the outcast of the outcast. If the Samaritans are the forgotten people, then she is the forgotten of the forgotten If the Samaritans are an unseen people, then she is the unseen of the unseen, the ignored of the ignored. And here's God sitting by the side of the well, leaning in to talk to her and ask her, will you give me something to drink? Now, this is perhaps my favorite part of the whole story, this moment when Jesus asks for a drink. Because for the longest time, I thought that Jesus was asking her to serve him, kind of like a, like a power play sort of deal. You're the Samaritan, I'm the Jew, and you serve me in this space. Like he's playing some sort of mind games. Like he's looking at her, this half-breed, oppressed, and ignored woman, and he asks her to just serve him, to, to fetch me some water. But he's not. You see, 
Jesus doesn't have anything to draw water with. It's, it's not like he's been sitting there perfectly capable of drawing water on his own and just waiting for this woman or, or for anyone really to just come along so that he could ask them to serve him. And No, he, he doesn't have anything. He can't do it for himself. He is at her mercy. And he's asking her to help him. The one in power, the Jew, asking the Samaritan for help. The God of all creation asking the lowest of the low for help. And her response is so telling. She, she looks at him and she says, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? Or basically, pff, why should I help you? When you've been ignored for so long, when you've lived day in and day out as the unseen of the unseen, when, when you've got nothing and no one, why should I help you? It starts to make a lot of sense. But Jesus... Jesus doesn't respond like you and I would, offended or, or put off, frustrated or angry, maybe even frightened or surprised. No, no. He, he leans in to the conversation. And as she throws what reads as snark or sarcasm his way, he, he takes it all in and continues to engage. He continues to press in. He continues to see her. Have you ever been in that kind of space before? Have you, have you ever watched as two people talk past one another and the snark just ratchets up notch after notch after notch? Have, have you ever been in one of those conversations? And here's Jesus continuing to engage with a Samaritan woman Let's call her Jane, because at this point, I feel like she really needs a name. Or maybe Karen. Although, she's not really a Karen, is she? And Jane just isn't hearing him. Until she does. Until it all clicks into place, and Jesus shows her what he sees. He sees her. He sees her troubles. He sees her struggles. He sees her challenges. He sees deep within her soul and for the first time in a long time, maybe even the first time ever, Jane feels seen. So seen, in fact, that she leaves her water jug to run back into town, to stir up the town, to tell everyone, I feel so seen. There, there's this man out by the well. I, I think he might be the Messiah, and you're not going to believe what he just told me. God sees you. God sees you. And as we sit in the ug of this chaos, this turmoil, these turbulence that surround us and shake us and throw us off our axis, as we continue to wrestle with our own faith and belief and wonder, 
as we try to process through and try to understand and know who is this God and is he good? We have a God who sees us. But more than that, we, we have a God who does so much more than see us. In his book of hours, Rilke penned this poem, a, a snippet of which comes on screen at the end of Jojo Rabbit, but the whole of which is so rich and important. God speaks to each of us as he makes us, then walks with us silently out of the night. These are the words we dimly hear. You sent out beyond your recall. Go to the limits of your longing. Embody me. Flare up like a flame and make big shadows I can move in. Let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. Don't let yourself lose me. Nearby is the country they call life. You will know it by its seriousness. Give me your hand. Give me your hand. You see, as we enter into life, God never lets go. God never takes his eyes off of you. God is with you right here, right now, in the midst of your grief, in the midst of your social distancing, in the midst of your isolation, in the midst of the chaos and the destruction. God is there. And he still has a hold of your hand. He's never let are you still holding his? Where do you feel your tension? Where are you holding it in your body? Place your hand there. And know that God's hand is there too. Holding on to yours. And maybe today, for the first time in a long time, or, or perhaps ever. You hold his hand too. Let's pray. You've never let go. Father, you have never let go. Thank you. Thank you in the midst of our chaos, in the midst of our turmoil, in the midst of our fear, and in the midst of our anxieties, God, you have never let go. You are here. You see us. And you're holding on to us. Thank you. May it be ever more present for us today than it was yesterday and tomorrow than it is today. In the name of your Son, we pray 
out of a profound sense of gratitude. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's homily. If you're in Seattle, we'd love for you to join us at 1316 Third Avenue West in Queen Anne. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit unitedchurch.gives to partner with us financially. Be in peace and God bless.